welcome to Adaptation, the podcast for in-depth discussion on film adaptations and the original material they're based on. This is episode number 48 for June 16, 2013, where we will discuss The Leafman by William Joyce and Chris Wedge's film Epic. I'm your host, Kendall Bryant. I'm Jessica Dick. And I'm Jennifer Dick. In upcoming films this week, we have World War Z, which comes out June 21st in the U.S. and the U.K. It's based on the novel by Max Brooks, which we covered on episode 47. Doran and I did, and it stars Brad Pitt, Marielle Enos, I hope that's right, James Badge Dale, and Matthew Fox. I'm kind of excited about that, even though I think it's probably not going to follow the book very well. Did you? Well, I haven't read it. I haven't read it. It <laughs> has been recommended to me, but I haven't had the chance yet. Yeah, because wasn't Sarah, like, really obsessed with it for a while? Yes, she was. <laughs> because the book is that good. It's really good, and I didn't think I was going <laughs> to like it, but it's really intriguing. I think... The, when we were at Grand Valley, like, the author came and did an event, like, Max Brooks, right? The, I don't the, remember that, but... The author came and did event, an event um, at some point in Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. and Sarah went and saw that, too, I think. And he apparently he was so personable and whatnot, just, it's like the zombie survival sort of thing. Yeah, I can see that. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't, know, I don't know how well it can follow the book, because it's such, like, a bunch of different stories, but, but I still think it might be cool. So maybe they will end up like making it into a more of a plot, kind of like what they did with you know the Jane Austen book club. Again, to one concentrated plot. What we said a couple minutes ago reminded me of, Jen, you just posted this quote on Facebook about none of the characters in movies actually ever watch movies. <laughs> so that's especially true for horror movies and such, because you're like, oh my gosh, have you never seen this? And I, I'm, I'm wondering if World War Z will end up being like that in terms of zombie. I saw a thing, I think it was on Tumblr, where they were like, somebody was like, I used to wonder that. Like, you obviously don't watch movies, otherwise you know not to go upstairs or whatever in horror movies. But then they were like, maybe they live in this alternate universe where there are no movies, (laughs) or there are no horror movies, So, and that, like, helps me understand why they could be so stupid. (laughs) Yeah. That's the only way that I can actually justify any of the characters acting the way they do is because they have no idea, which is why I liked, like, in Scream or whatnot, when they actually reference horror movies. Right. How you survive, blah, 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 and people are still dying. Well, speaking of alternate universes, yeah. where, where, where things are a little different, Belief yes, Men. Belief Men. Although I suppose that's more of an epic transition. Yeah. That's all right. Belief Men and the Brave Good Bugs is by William Joyce. It was published in 1996, and um, Joyce has also penned books that have inspired Rise of the Guardians, Meet the Robinsons, and the fantastic flying books of Mr. Morris Lessmore. Honestly, he's old hat at this. And he was a writer-slash-concept artist for Robots, Toy Story, and A Bug's Life. Oh, yes. He's got it all. Yeah. All settled. Wait, so he was a concept artist for A Bug's Life. Yeah. That seems a little familiar after seeing Epic, then. Yeah, it does. Just a little bit. Like, if you think about some of the things that the ants used, like their tools and such, yeah. their way of life, that seems a little familiar. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I'd mention that just because, like, you look at his list of credits and it's like, I love so many of these things. <laughs> Yeah, it's impressive. He's got a good resume right there. He does. He's got a very good resume. And the thing that's very confusing to me about this is that none of us could find this book. (laughs) Why aren't, why is this book not available if he, if not only is the movie based on it coming out, 
but like he's got a really good resume. I went to bookstores and I looked and they had, you know, they all have Rise of the Guardian, or it's actually called Guardians of Childhood, the books are, and they have the fantastic flying books of Mr. Morris Lossmore, but no Leafmen. And I had them, you know, I went to Barnes & Noble, I had them searched in the entire area, they didn't have any in the warehouse. I ended up actually getting it online used from another, from like another person. So <laughs> that is interesting. And then I read it on a video and sent it to everybody else so that they, yeah, <laughs> so that they could experience the book as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So what did you guys think? Um, which one? The book or the movie? The book. I thought the book was absolutely adorable. <laughs> it was very charming. The good, the yeah, a few good bugs in there. Oh, good. Yeah. There were times, like, and the protagonist is basically, like, a toy. The mysterious toy. Well, and I know there was a couple times in the video, too, where you'll probably agree with me, Kendall, that there were a couple times when they brought in new elements that you're like, this hasn't been mentioned before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, where you looked behind and you're like, did we skip a page? Yeah. The thing is, is I already told you guys, is Doran wrote me, like, a whole bunch of notes because she couldn't be here. And she wrote the same thing she was she was like i am completely with you i was really confused like it, i thought that maybe a part got skipped as well when you were reading and the, the the thing about that is when that happened in the video that i sent you i thought maybe i should re-record this so that i don't do that again because who knows if you would have thought that if i hadn't been like oh did i miss a part no i didn't miss a, i'm not sure i didn't miss a part <laughs> you know so I, I wonder if it was if it was my influence. No, it, it really wasn't because like when you first heard the mention, because on that page alone you heard a mention of the mysterious toy and the spider queen, and they they were both like mentioned without introduction. Mm-hmm. They were just like, of course you know. Which my thought actually was something that maybe this one was based on the artwork. Like you see this and you're like, oh, they are in the pages beforehand or whatnot. So that was right. a little bit different. Right, but. You were a little confused, too, and you actually had the artwork in front of you, so... That is true. It's just, it's really, it was the first mention of the Spider Queen, and I was like, what? Yeah. I mean, I did have the artwork, and I I also think that maybe it might be a... We're used to things being introduced to us, because we're used to things where you get not just a sentence introduction to a character, but, like, possibly a couple paragraphs, maybe. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And maybe it's just that it's a kid's book, and a kid would just be like, oh, yeah, the Spider Queen, of course. Of course, the Spider Queen and the long-lost toy. So we did all have that same reaction. But it was, I liked it. I thought it was really cute. Simple, but but cute story and, and everything. Doran said that she was glad that she had seen the movie before the book, though, because she felt like she would have been a little bit confused in the movie if she had seen them in the opposite order. Hmm. Yeah, because, in all honesty, they're, I think, the only thing that was actually the same was the Leafmen. Yeah, and yeah. I think it was just based on those characters, really, not the storyline. Um, where they took, they took the world of the book mm-hmm. and incorporated it into a movie, not necessarily the plot. Right. Which is one thing I really like about that, too, because it's sort of building off the idea of fans or, like, the, the imagination that you use within a story itself can right. expand and become so much more. Like, it right. didn't have to rely just on that book. It expanded beyond what you could see. Right. It's sort of like the same idea of fan fiction. Like, the fans... That fiction I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even... Well, are we seriously saying that 
epic is the fan fiction for <laughs> the league then? Yes, I think yeah. that's what I heard. Well, also I was thinking that it's kind of like the spin-off novellas that can happen too. I mean, we saw that with with Twilight where there was the the Brie Tanner novella, but also I think that the woman that writes the Vampire Diaries also did that where she has like just goes off and follows another character uh, in a separate set of books or whatever. Uh Jenna my one of our favorite authors right now is Marissa Mayer who writes like sci-fi futuristic books Mm -hmm. and in her newest books she's actually had like one shots or like these small short Mm -hmm. stories about the characters outside of the book like I actually just bought one of her books yesterday um, Cinder and it's a new edition that includes a short story based on the character yeah it's like something that's building up that and again it's building up the idea that you think of when you think of authors like J.K. Rowling or whatnot. I was going to, yeah. Yeah, where the world that they're presenting in the books is actually so much bigger in their mind. Mm-hmm. Because they spend so much time. so cool. I know. It's well, awesome. I think that's absolutely awesome. And with Harry Potter, and, like, people can just ask her questions about people and that are side characters, and she knows their backstory just because she thought yeah, about it. Just thought because about it. The entire world exists, you know, yeah. for her. So, yeah, I, I like that they're, that they're a little bit different. Anyways, just going back to the book for a second, though, I was kind of wondering, I reread it this morning, something that was kind of similar is that it seemed like the old woman's health was actually linked to the gardens. I know. I got that idea, too. Or maybe just the rose bush. And I was wondering, I don't know. It kind of reminds me, we haven't really talked about started the movie yet but it kind of reminds me how like there was somebody at least caring for the forest in the movie in the same sense although it was more of a garden in the book but yeah and i wondered if it was if it was supposed to be kind of linked or if it was maybe just because she took care of the garden like she was a gardener or or something but i thought that was interesting also as i reread it thinking that the spider seemed to want the garden to die which was weird yeah because if she that there was one thing if she lived in the garden Mm -hmm. like was her home too like why why would why did she want it to die whereas in the movie like the what was his name mag mandrake his name was mandrake which i think is awesome Mm -hmm. okay right that's okay i just forget about that but that was awesome but yeah with him like his entire kingdom was rot and right disgusting stuff and whatnot Mm -hmm. like they seemed a little bit more disconnected as to why the spider queen was evil. Right, but I, yeah. at the same time, I liked that that was what it was about. Like, that the bad guys were still in the business of killing the garden slash forest. I know. I don't yeah. know. Oh, I didn't say this before, but the other part in the in the book, the Luna Moth part, where they all got down out of the tree because the uh, Luna Moth, and I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, I kind of wanted a little bit more explanation with that. I'm like, what exactly is it? Yeah, well, like you can kind of, you know, you can kind of guess just due to the name, but it's like, hmm, I'd like to know whether I'm right. There is a picture, and there is a moth that, I guess it must be a moth because it says Luna Moth, but it looks kind of colorful, so you'd think it was a butterfly, but there is, it's very small at the top background of the picture of what I assume is a moth. That is the only other thing that I saw about it, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's why, but I had to look for it. Yeah. But maybe that's just the thing. With your kids, you go, oh, look, can you find Luna Moth? <laughs> maybe. Maybe this was, like, us coming in as adults reading a kid's book. But I feel like there were things that they that they assumed that we knew. That we mm-hmm. didn't. Like, 
holes in the story that we really wanted to fit. Maybe it's purposeful because you're telling kids the story, kind of like you were talking about with the authors having this bigger world in their head. There's intentional holes so the kids can fill them in with their own imagination. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I felt like the story was more complex than what the writing allowed for. You know? I felt like, although maybe that is adding a little bit more is that you can imagine kids asking why you know like the curiosity building and then maybe the parents could invent something like maybe the whole basis is being able to add to it yeah Mm -hmm. or even like leave it open for the kids like you know the kids would ask why and then well it doesn't say but why do you think it is exactly yeah Mm -hmm. which makes it perfect book to movie material so epic I do think it's weird that they changed the name. I was going to, that was one of the things that I wanted to bring up was the choice in the movie title. Like, what about epic that really screams Leafman? Nothing. And vice versa. What about, it's an epic adventure. What about Leafman really just screams epic? Because I don't know, um, when I think of the word epic, the first thing I think of is, you know, the kind of Greek epics. Do you know what I mean? I think of things like Lord of the Rings and stuff. Like, in a movie sense, at least. Big, huge. I don't know, it seems a little bit... Maybe it's irony. Maybe the title is irony because they're so little. Oh. (laughs) Even if that's not what they really... I like that idea. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, even if it's not true, I like that idea. You think they could have accidentally... They're just such hipsters, guys. They like their irony. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah, I do think it's interesting. Um, So the movie came out May 22nd in the UK and May 24th in the US. And the screenwriters are James V. Hart, William Joyce, who's the author of the book, Daniel Shear, Tom J. Astle, and Matt Ember. And it was directed by Chris Wedge. And Chris Wedge and William Joyce have worked together before when they were trying to turn Joyce's book Santa Calls into a film, but instead they came up with the idea for robots, which I think is really funny. And Chris Wedge is also responsible for Ice Age. He directed the first one, and then he was producer on the, all the sequels. And it stars the voices of Amanda Seyfried, Josh Hutcherson, Colin Farrell, Christoph Waltz, Jason Sudeikis, T- Steven Tyler, Beyonce, Aziz Ansari, and Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, there's so many voice act- like actors in there that you yeah. keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting because the director is director of Ice Age, and there's a lot of... he. They really like to do all at least all their main characters as pretty well-known mm-hmm. actors yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay, so in terms of characterization, I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that we can talk about with the movie. In terms of characterization, how do you find them? I thought that they did a really good job I mean, well, I I guess it depends on exactly who you're talking about, but I found myself really liking a lot of the characters, like kind of relate, not relating exactly, but feeling a lot of empathy, I guess. How did you find it? With some of them, I thought that they were a little bit one note, like no real depth to it. But at the same time, those were more like secondary characters. With the main characters, like, MK, I genuinely liked her situation that she was in, like, with her father. Mm-hmm. I liked that. I thought that was good characterization, good build-up with everything. It was a really sweet storyline, too. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, when thinking of kind of the one-note characters that I mentioned, the comic relief, the slug and the snail. Yeah. I they, loved I swear, they were there just to make 
kids laugh. That's okay. I and like considering that. it is a kids movie. I can understand. And yeah, I chuckled a few times. Uh, but beyond that, like I couldn't see the reasons why were they were there. Like they really were just there for comic relief. I didn't really see any other purpose for them. Well, first of all, Doran said that the slug and the snail were her, or no, were tied with the pug for her favorite characters. <laughs> I did like pug. Um, and as far as, I mean, I don't know about the slug, but the snail, I thought it was, he was cute and he wanted to be a leaf man, which was adorable. Like, he had dreams. But they, they, I mean, to be fair, they were voiced by Aziz Ansari and Chris O'Dowd. Like, they were definitely, they were just cast to be funny, you mm-hmm. know? So they were cast to be comic relief, and that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you got a little bit with the snail. Not so much with the slug. His motivation seemed to be to hit on MK. <laughs> Yeah. Which was funny, so that's that's fine. And to give evil eyes to Josh Hutcherson, I can't remember his name. Nod. Yeah. Now, as far as Nod goes, I wasn't big on him, to be quite honest. He was probably the one that I liked the least. I was just like, what are you doing here? He was yeah. a but MK was so much more. Mm-hmm. I, I felt a disconnect between them. Yeah, I... I didn't buy into, like, the romance that they were trying to be. I thought that that's just kind of, like, popped up out of nowhere at the end. He kind of was being a teenage boy, I felt like, at the when he was like, hey, let's go for a ride on this deer, <laughs> like, you know, or whatever. They kind of introduced it there, but I, I would have been fine with that not going anywhere, honestly. Them to have just been, like, she needed to realize how to relate to her dad better, and he needed to realize how to relate to Colin Farrell better. God, I'm sorry, I don't remember team. any of his name. Being a team, pretty much. Right. No, I agree with you. I, I honestly, I think this was one movie where they missed an opportunity by implying that they get together. That, like, they like each other by having that romance. They missed the opportunity by having it. Yeah. I think they could have just, like, let it go, keep it as a friendship, still have, like, you know, the cute little interaction at the end. Mm-hmm. Or she's still keeping in touch, but that wasn't doesn't necessarily have to be romantic. Yeah. Doran said that it made her sad at the end when <laughs> when they had to leave each other. Um, she's like, although they could chat at the end, at the end, one day she would grow all the way up and have to move on. So does she live a sad, lonely life with just her leaf man? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Then, yeah. Like, that's another thing, like, that romance. It's like, how does that work exactly? Not gonna last. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of in the same league as, you know, long-distance relationships. Only that seems even a little bit more permanent. I mean, they can actually hang out, but they can't do anything else, so... I'll be honest, like, watching that, uh, it kind of reminded me, in terms of, like, relationships doomed to fail, it kind of reminded me of that one Doctor Who episode where the one guy who's the girl that he likes ends up getting turned into cement. We don't talk about that episode. It just never happened. (laughs) That never happened. But I also, like, because they kept, you know, chatting to each other at the end, like, was there something on his end that, like, fed up her voice or something? Because otherwise, she could hear him really well, but he could hear her just like, I heard my elbow. (laughs) Oh, did you hear her? He got it. 
You said it. Then he laughed. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. <laughs> also, since we're on that topic, I really liked that addition to this kind of, you know, little people world. Like, that they actually moved at different speeds. Because we've had it, you know, we've seen, like, the borrowers and... And all this stuff where there's there's little people in it. I liked that there was an additional thing where, like, they actually just were in a faster mm-hmm. world. I don't know how to, how he said it, but... That they actually just moved too quickly. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. us to see, and that's why we never see them. Yeah, I thought that was that was a interesting spin on something that, you know, you, you thought was a little bit more familiar. Mm-hmm. Okay, but... Speaking of, like, the different times, time passing in different ways or whatnot, right. I, I mentioned this to Jen, but did anyone else get really pissed off at the end when, like, everything was happening, but people were taking so long to actually do stuff? <sighs> like, I felt like they had this time limit on their hands, you know, like, the, the pod was going to turn evil, they needed to get in the, in the moonlight, and then, like, they were taking so long to do anything. It did seem like it took a really long time. Yeah. But it's time limit, and you got, you're just standing there talking to your dad right now. Get him over there with the bat thing. Yeah. To reminisce later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I wonder, because I kept thinking, like, it seems like it's taking a really long time for the moon to get in the right spot, but I wonder if that's kind of similar to, because we were moving with the little people time, if it does take longer because they're moving so fast or something. Yeah, I don't that's, know. I that's a good point. Yeah. Or it feels like, you know, longer to us, I should say, because... We're following the little people time. But that's why I was getting really annoyed whenever she was dealing with her dad. Because I was like, you have to account for the fact that he moves slower than you. Yeah. You need to get him there quick. So, yeah, I, I was very tense. I was sitting very tensely in my seat, like, gripping the armrest. Like... <laughs> That pod's gonna turn evil. It's shriveling. <laughs> I know. So good job, movie makers. You had me worried. Yeah, there we go. Because you never really get worried, right? That's, what, really. that's what George R. R. Martin says. <laughs> that everybody knows the hero is gonna survive and that everything's gonna be okay. Until they don't. So, in order to scare people, you have to give them the impression that it no. won't be okay. Good yep. job, George. Good job, George R. <laughs> True yeah. words have never it's been spoken. Like Satan. <laughs> Uh, just enjoys it. He does, I swear. He does. Thorne says that she was like, why is Conan O'Brien her dad? And why is Stanley her cab driver? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, me either, but that's fine. Uh, I kind of thought it too with his hair, but... A little bit, like that kind of curly cue that <laughs> he was really thin. He looks like he a... He was. Sh- well, so's Conan. Conan is very thin and very tall, so... Yeah. And that she was glad that he got to be the hero, but she didn't understand how the pin, like, he understood that the pin, moving the pin was a message from her, which I can understand. I don't know, I can see it, because if, if that was his life's work... He would know where those pins were. Yeah. Mm. He would, like, know that map backwards and forwards. He he was the one who placed that. So if he saw something that was different, and he already had in his mindset that, oh, I saw my daughter. Right. Whatnot. And mm-hmm. he was convincing himself that that wasn't true, but... But he hadn't just imagined seeing his daughter... Tiny. Right. Mm-hmm. But I did like, yeah, we already said, I liked that their relationship, kind of, it was about her and her dad. And it was kind of just about dad figures, really, because Nod's main yeah. thing was, I mean, it was about being part of a team, but it was really about his relationship with Colin Farrell. And Ronan. Ronan. Oh, God, that's such a great name. 
Also, Doran said, and I agree, that she had a crush on him. And I was like, yes, me as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so there kind of was the dad relationships on either end. There was definitely that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is perfect because we're recording this on Father's Day! Aww! Everybody. You planned this, didn't you? I'm so good. I'd like to think I was that clever. (laughs) You weren't? Shh. We won't tell anyone. Remember how we said that, you know, they meant it to be ironic, epic, Mm -hmm. even if they didn't? Yeah. You planned this. Okay. (laughs) So, Ronan was, like, my favorite character. I did really like Ronan. He had, like, this element, like, he was kind of gruff at times, but he found it, like, aww. But then he also also had, like, funny moments, too. Yeah. 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 And then when he came at the end, you were like, yeah. That was, he showed up at the end. I guess. Oh my god. That was the whole George R. R. Martin thing. I knew that he hadn't died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had done that to us. No. I know. I really didn't think that he wasn't ever. I never thought that he wasn't going to come back. Yeah. In fact, when he showed up at the very end, I was like, oh yeah, there he is. Oh wait, I was supposed to have been scared for him. Right. Like, god, just forget. I mean, I wasn't scared for him, but I did get emotional about it because yeah. he still <laughs> was perfect. willing to have died in that situation. Situation, mm-hmm. you know. I I was willing to die for these people, but you didn't. Yes, but I meant to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is totally a situation where it's the thought that counts. Yeah. Part of me felt like he was okay with it because he didn't have a lot left, which makes me so sad. Oh. Because Aww. his queen died, and it was like I felt like he had just been serving her his entire life, and he really he. <laughs> to do with himself afterwards. Yeah. Also, mm. they never got to be together and that's really sad. I know. Even like that part where he said, when Nod loses the pod and he gets mad about it, he starts, he's mad because the forest is going to die, but he really just gets mad because that's the last thing we had left, I had left of her. I know. That being said, I have to say that obviously this was a star-studded cast. Like, we pretty much, any of the main characters, we recognized who was voicing them. Right. But for the queen, like, hearing Beyonce, like, that was the only disconnect that I felt. Like, for some reason, I felt like her voice didn't become the character like the others did. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt something weird there. Which I think is interesting, considering the fact that how often do you really hear Beyonce speak? I know. That's what I <laughs> that was that was the thing. Like I, I can recognize Amanda Seyfried and Josh Hutcherson, like they're speaking voices. Mm-hmm. And like when I was concentrating I could hear it, but for the most part they were just the characters. And right. Like, yeah. They fit. They fit. Season, with Beyonce it was different. Couldn't really even recognize her speaking voice like I couldn't pick it out of a lineup like I could with the others. But it it's still for some reason there was some disconnect between what I was seeing and what I was hearing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I going into the movie I knew who was voicing who. Or yeah. the names that I would recognize I knew who was voicing who. I didn't expect there to be such a disconnect. With her, with her character and her voice. Yeah. But there was, and I noticed it. It was a little bit weird. It's interesting, too, because the other voice that you, and I didn't actually even know, I had to go back and look up who Steven Tyler was, because I didn't re- recognize it, and he would, he's the other singer, where it's like, you know, you might not recognize his voice. But the thing is, I, I have heard him speak a lot. I, you know, I've watched interviews with him and stuff, I don't really, so I think it's interesting, I couldn't tell who he was, but no, he, she was really obvious. 
was he actually like a person? Yeah, he was the uh, the caterpillar. The caterpillar with the yeah. the glowy yellow, uh, okay. all the arms. Okay, so you didn't even know. <laughs> no, that was the thing. Like it fit. Like yeah, that voice fit the caterpillar. <laughs> For some reason, it would disconnect with her. If it fits, you don't notice it. Mm-hmm. But if where if the voice yeah. rings wrong for some reason. You, you, Mark. You know, another one that, like, and we mentioned this earlier because well, you said William Joyce helped out with the concept for robots. Another mm-hmm. one I felt with was with Ewan McGregor as the main guy in Robot. Yeah. Like, I, he, no. was, that just didn't seem to fit with the voice character. No. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. Yeah. You and I have talked about this, Jess. Yeah, I agree on that one. Interesting. Some people just have oh, McGregor, like, natural it. voice actors. Some people just have the voice for it to be anyone. And... They're people, I don't know, they don't. Yeah. Well, speaking of the queen, how did you feel about how the queen was chosen and everything? Because Doran thought it was a good twist, which I didn't know if I really saw it as a twist exactly, but I was wondering what you guys thought. Like the whole how she has to choose a pod and bestow upon it, like the life of the forest, and then it has to bloom, and then it, it chooses another person, yeah. It, I thought that was a little bit of a twist, actually, mm-hmm. because the assumption when you see this pod is that it's going to birth, like, I don't know, one of the other flower babies or, you know, <laughs> that it's going to be like a kid or something and that it's not going to bestow on someone else. Mm-hmm. You thought it was going to be someone new. I wasn't sure. I, at first I thought that maybe because she kind of bestowed its safety on MK that that was going to be something. But then I was like, no, she obviously has to go back to her father. Like, yeah. they can't keep her. No. <laughs> That's the one thing that you couldn't do. In fact, it would have, I felt like if they tried to do that, that would have pissed me off. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the, the relationship with her father was the most important at that point. Right. Yes. And then I kind of thought, like you said, that something was going to be burst out of the pod. Well, like, you know, everyone always gathers in, in the forest for a little bit of bursting. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing about that is they've grown so many pods, so does that mean that... What happens to the other ones? They just bloom, normally. Okay. That's what I assumed. Yeah. I really what enjoyed about the back- pod that was chosen? Yes, it, it bloomed, but, you know, the life came out of it. So does it just become a normal flower afterwards? I don't know. Now you're asking the hard-hitting question. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, I'm thinking way too hard about this. Especially because at the beginning, that girl says, like, one day I want to be queen. And her mom is like, that's, that's how it works, sweetie. Yeah, so that, that's what made me think that it was going to be something someone knew. Yeah. It didn't work that way. So, like, maybe maybe they made an exception for this one. Like, maybe this was kind of a, a different one, like a new significant thing. Or that also raised another one. Like, if the queen hadn't died, would she have just, like, given it to them and then lived her own life? I think like, so. Anyway. Which is really sad because that's what Ronan was waiting for, guys. <laughs> I can't handle this. Well, because she could only choose once every hundred years or something. So I I got the idea that maybe she would kind of train the next queen a little bit, but obviously she can't just keep being queen. So she can only choose once every hundred years. She chooses on that day what pod and everything. Sort of a Princess Diaries 2 thing where, like, she was training her up to take over. Right, and then got to maybe live her own life. There was a lot more relationship complexity than I kind of thought that there would be, kind of with her and Ronan, and then she's gone, and then Ronan being this kind of step 
stepfather, not stepfather, but like foster. Gordon or fa- yeah, foster father to father, nod. Father, whatever, to nod. And there, yeah, there were some intricate relationships. And then MK being, you know, her mother had just died and she comes to live with her dad and that was complicated. and That whole ball of wax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is good. I swear, when... Her dad at the end was like, I thought if I could prove it to her. That she could uh, come with Oh. That was so sad. No. I feel like I wanted to cry there. I almost did. I know. And Doran said something that I don't know that I agree with. But she said that she hoped that the mother did know that it was all real, but felt that his obsession was just too much to live with. And so he didn't actually have to prove anything to her. She already knew. But I thought that would just make her more horrible person yeah something i feel like no one believing him drove it into an obsession yeah mm-hmm. i feel like if she hadn't have left like i mean he was clearly interested before and whatnot and that's what kind of ruined his career right but i feel like if she hadn't left that he wouldn't have been so driven for it i think that his obsession really was like you know kind of what he said he was pushed to that limit when she left because he, it's like he mentioned, like, he thought she'd come back. Maybe she would come back. Yeah. But at least he got his daughter, you know? I mean, at least somebody believed him and then, you know, he wasn't alone. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, I I did think that MK was a little quick to give up on him at the beginning. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. She was like, like, there. He rushed off, but it was like, come on. In all fairness, he was kind of ignoring her a little bit, but I think that was because he was uncomfortable and didn't really know what to do. But I think she took it as him not wanting her there, and she didn't want to be there anyway. So she just kind of was like, okay, nobody wants this anyway. I'm just going to go. Also, it kind of, you know, fed the plot. A little bit. So... Where for reasons like He's that's so why he didn't awkward. look for her because he thought she laughed and blah da. Yeah, he was so awkward though, guys. Yeah, that is going to be the Tumblr generation. <laughs> you know I speak true. Maybe. That is going to be all of us when we get that age. <laughs> Doran also said that she wondered if the characters were related at all from the book to the movie, if maybe the old woman was the girl grown up, like in later years, which I thought was an interesting connection to make. Mm-hmm. See, that was the thing, like, w- between the book and the movie, I didn't see any connection other than the world. Yeah, because I, I actually, I did consider that, too. Like, maybe the old woman was MK, all yeah. grown up. Then there was also, like, they didn't mention anything else, like, no rosebush. Right. They didn't have any, like, little toy or anything like that. So it's like, yeah, I guess it could be, but... If they were trying to make that connection, wouldn't they have tried a little bit harder? Yeah. And now I actually just remembered that she says, My father gave me the metal man to watch over me at night. My mother planted the rose bush to bring me comfort. And her mm-hmm. parents weren't together in the movie, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless maybe the little boy in the, in the book that the grandmother is telling this to is the father. Hmm. Which so, would somewhat explain why his interest in the Leafmen would come from. Exactly. Story first. That's true. Hmm. Things to think about. Exactly. As a movie itself, it was very visually stimulating. Like, 
stunning. Yes, it was but really beautiful. And especially when you think of even 10 years ago, what they were able to do, and now you look at what they're able to do now in terms of detail and in terms of motion and animation and mm-hmm. stuff. Really, really cool. It would be interesting, actually, to go now and watch A Bug's Life after this because it has the same people working on or well, not the same people <laughs> working on it, but, but same they- concept artist. Yeah. I was absolutely blown away with the animation when... Um, Oh, during the, not quite the first battle scene, when they were trying to attack the queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, with the tree, when, you know, um, I know. Ronan shot the arrow, and then the, the one like, fell, and then they all started, like, bursting out. I thought that that looked absolutely amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was so cool. But even when the leaf started to rot, like, you could see it started just as that little brown spot that you can see pretty much on so many leaves when you just look around in nature. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just so subtle. Yeah. It worked really well in that respect. I liked that scene because the queen was badass. Even if she ends up, like, even though she ends up dying, I felt like she could still hold her own. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, they made that apparent. Because beforehand, she says, you know, she tells Ronan, she's like, I don't need protecting, like, I can take care of myself kind of thing. But she's in this flowy white dress dress and you're like you know you don't know whether you can take credit or word on exactly. that so and like then she, she shows everyone that yeah i don't need protecting it's like yes yeah. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I just liked that scene because she would she would be running and like things would be happening and you could tell that she was doing them and or like making them happen, but she, it was so smooth. I guess is what I mean. Yeah. Like it just came naturally. You could tell that it just came naturally to her to do all of these things while focused on getting away from something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even I think at one point she she even like takes you know the half a second to to start something growing again or something like that out of a yeah, I think so you know place of rot or whatever that the rot was mm-hmm. and as far as that goes like the good versus the bad in the movie Doran said that she liked that it was about balance that it wasn't that they tried to destroy the rot or anything but they just kept it balanced instead yeah they had to keep it contained but not Right. Yeah. I, I see what you mean, or what she means. No, it's good. It, 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 yeah, it's a more realistic plot line in the context that they have. Do you know what I mean? Right. And then she said, but then at the end the villain died, so I don't know. <laughs> the villain died. The main guy died, but the other... The dies doesn't mean the rot will. Right. Agreed. And then, again, his name and was Mandrake, which is awesome. If you think about it, if you think about it, the villain represented his desire was to break the balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was his desire was to actually like break the limits and spread the rot everywhere. Yeah. So him dying, yes, it was you know as the leader he he died, but it was also kind of a symbolic death. Mm-hmm. And I think you got, I mean, at least you got a slight motivation from him too because you have his son dying, right? His yeah. son dies like in the middle. So. And kind then he's like as well. So it wasn't totally he yeah. It wasn't mm-hmm. totally off the reservation for him to want to yeah, get revenge. Mm-hmm. Also Christoph Waltz was his voice and I love Christoph Waltz mm-hmm. as a villain. So I'm sure he's gotta be like one of the nicest people ever because I because he's just such a good villain. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll be honest though, at the beginning 
I did not see, or like, I was kind of thrown by the father-son relationship. I looked at him, I was expecting, like, brother, brothers. Huh. I wasn't expecting father-son. I wasn't expecting really anything in that respect. Like, I wasn't expecting there to... I expected henchmen, not a relationship, I guess. Mm. And then when they were father-son, I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, there's... Kind of like we said before, there's a lot of complexity with relationships happening that you kind of didn't expect for a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of said this along with how you're saying that the tools and stuff were similar from, like, A Bug's Life or whatever. Yeah. But I just really liked... I I spent a lot of time looking really intently at the stuff, like, at their clothes, like, the, the Leafman armor. I was, like, really interested in that. Even their little saddles on the hummingbirds. Yeah. Like, everything was gorgeous and natural, but also royal-looking. Like, mm-hmm. like, they were something, well, you know, like, you'd expect for kind of a queen's guard, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. It was just really beautiful. And mm-hmm. even, like... Each of the leaf men, even though they had kind of similarities in the the leaf type armor they were wearing, they were different. Slight each differences, one was yeah. slightly different, which was cool. Yeah, that was funny. Because mm-hmm. not at the end when he found the saddle in um, her dad's like office, he's like, "Hey, it's my saddle." You know, I was like, oh, "Well, I think the same." But then, yeah, like if, if you really noticed, they were everything was significant. Everything was a little bit different and independent, mm-hmm. or individual, not independent, but individual. Yeah. So, um, okay, bringing up one last thing, like. With Nod's sense of humor, I'm thinking specifically, like, where um, she asks him, what do you have against Stompers? He tells her, Stompers killed my uncle. Really? No. I swear, guys, I heard that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's us. Uh-huh. That is us. That is something that we would say to each other. Uh, You're saying that we're not? It's funny, considering I didn't really like him. <laughs> I know. I know. But but no, not entirely. Not the entire character, but in that sense, like that sense of humor. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I in that yeah. one example. The funny yeah. thing is, as he said it, I was like, that's not true. <laughs> like, immediately I knew that it wasn't going to be true, that it was going to be a joke. Yeah. yeah. Not in a bad way I was predicting that joke, but just in a, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. yeah. So that's funny. And I did love the part where they are back in, we kind of already referenced it, but when they are back at her dad and they're making fun of her dad, yeah. like the Stompers, but that it's him and Ronan and they both think this is hilarious. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Oh, it is clearly this inside joke. Right, which I love because you could tell that they had been... They'd talked about this before. They'd made fun of him in that way before. Right. And yeah. it made it a very kind of uncle-nephew relationship in a way, because you know how, like, when it's when it's not a parent, not somebody that, I don't know. Yeah. You're different, I think. Now I'm, now I'm thinking of it like if it's your niece or something. I don't know. You're just not, it's like a different relationship. And you could tell that they had this very kidding around relationship, but that it had changed yeah. into the reason that there was strain there is partially because it had to turn from that relationship into kind of a parent-son relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, but I just really loved them making making fun of him and both laughing. And just to yeah. see Ronan doing it when he'd been so serious mm-hmm. the entire time. Yeah. The fact that he could crack a smile at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's actually something I missed out of Doran's notes from before. She said that she really liked that they went back into her world, the girl's world, you know, after she was small. So she got to see everything, you know. We yeah. got to see everything from the big perspective and from the little perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Which they don't always do. Awesome. It was very epic. <laughs> <laughs> Irony. <laughs> oh, dear. Yep. Okay, is that all we have? Oh, I think so. I feel like we could, I mean, I don't know. I just, yeah, it was just really beautiful. That's all I wanted to say. I, I enjoyed it. I watched it twice, <laughs> once earlier today. I couldn't stop smiling when I left. Mm-hmm. I look like an idiot with this big grin on my face, but I don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that you can, you know, me personally, I know it's funny when, is that I was at the theater by myself, and when I watch something and I'm by myself, I'm much less likely to laugh out loud. Even if I think it's funny, like, to actually let the laughter leave and make a noise, just because you feel a little bit more, you know, when you're alone, you feel a little bit more, I don't know what the word is. Self-conscious? Yeah, self-conscious, I guess, about it in a theater full of people and you're on your own kind of thing. But I definitely laughed out loud. Yeah. So, that's good. <laughs> so, thumbs up on this one. And I and like I said before, I really think it was a good way to go with the book to kind of broaden the just make it about the world. Yeah. Instead of she kind of what they did a little bit is kind of also what they did with um Rise of the Guardians. Mm-hmm. They did just take they didn't tell the same story as the books. They just took the characters from the books and gave them a new mission. Yeah. Which is cool. I like it. It's almost like like adding to canon instead of changing canon. I like that a lot more. Like, if you think of it that way, especially when they don't follow a set plot like that, or where they have a new plot in the movie. Like I said, I love the idea of expanding on this world that was so fascinating. Mm -hmm. And in a way with this, you can call it just expanding on canon because William Joyce was a screenwriter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... So it must have happened. Yep. It's all true. It is all true. We just moved too slowly to see it. I'd like to think that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this might seem a little cheesy, but do you really think that we that the lesson of this is to speed up and smell the flowers? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It's funny, too, that we were making fun of the term or how epic it is because in the notes that Doran sent me when she said I liked the she said that she liked the, the movie better because it was more epic. Ha <laughs> <laughs> The next episode is going to be on Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, which Jess is seeing after we finish. I'm going to leave as soon as this podcast is over. What? Yay! Speaking of things we're doing in the future, just finished the first Percy Jackson book today. <gasps> and I really liked it, so I am excited about that. It's my first time reading them, so uh, no. I got the first I got the first one done early because I, I knew I was like, oh, for the, for the time we talked about it, I need to read two books instead. Everybody else only has to, you know... Yeah. have the one, but... So I got through The Lightning Thief. I'm on to Sea of Monsters now. So that's going to be exciting. That's coming up next month. Exciting. Although I suppose I should start Much Ado About Nothing first, because we do have that coming up. Yeah. If you have anything to add to this discussion of Epic or The Leaf Men or any of the previous episodes that we've done, 
There are so many ways to contact us now. You can tweet us at AdaptationCast, uh, comment on our Facebook page, uh, email us at AdaptationPodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on iTunes where you can give us five-star rating because that would be cool, and you can also comment on the podcast there. And you can find all of these things in link form at AdaptationPodcast.com where you can also comment on episode pages. So lots of ways you should choose one of them. And get in touch with us. And hopefully we'll be on YouTube soon, too. So, yay! That that is true. We will be on YouTube soon. And when we are, that link and video and everything will be on AdaptationPodcast.com. I haven't added it yet because there's nothing on the page, the YouTube page yet. But it will be coming soon. We'll get there. (laughs) So, until next time, this is Adaptation reminding you. Even small things can be epic. That's so ironic. I've tried to cut these corners. Try to take the easy way I kept on falling short of something I could have gave up then But then again I couldn't have Cause I've traveled all this way with something I take it in but don't look down Cause I'm on top of the world